right and the left. That's correct. You are. Because you're living on a line. Anything you give them, bird. Tell you us. Probably you probably have it. the same thing I do, but from oh, thousands of miles away. Let's I, I'm go. just, I'm just getting over it. Like yesterday. How and long today. did it take you? How long uh, did it like take you? Three or four days. Oh, geez, this is like week oh, two, wow. start of week two for me. <laughs> One of oh, my coworkers God. is literally in week three of the same persistent cold flu bullshit. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of want to intimate to him that it might be, you know, that with a capital T, but I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I'm not going to cuck on the issue either. Yeah. Oh, it's so, just like concrete snot that you can't get rid of. What do you mean by, oh, concrete, like it's not moving? No, it's not going anywhere. No, it's, I have a very different snot palette. Oh, my snot, I blew a sn- I'm sorry, guys, but I blew a snot yesterday. and Ra- um, Rainbow? First of all, it was chartreuse. Ah. <laughs> so that's Exquisite. very, very bad. <laughs> Second of all, it was webbed. Hmm. It's like no snot bubble I've ever seen. I'm sure you like guys cum. have seen the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. Of course. When he's first... When he's first trying to shoot the web out of his hand, and he's like, and it's, 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 it's just calm. And then he he blasts out this, like... Load. Webby load. <laughs> yeah, dude. He does, though. He does. He blasts out this, like, webby load of stuff. And that was me into the tissue, chartreuse-colored. And huh. it had... It, it, uh, it almost looked like a mycelium. There was, like webby parts that were thicker and held together and the inside oh. of a medium of snot it, you, got uh, the, uh, you got the zombie ant fungus yes yep that's what think i was that's thinking what he's got? i can't believe it this is the most intense covid that i've had and i've i you know i'm collecting my pokemon cards yeah this is this would be like if it is COVID, it would be like what your fifth time, your your fifth sample. So what's really funny is I was a joke. Is I was like uh, three months ago or whatever. It was I got sick with something that wasn't COVID, or I got sick with COVID for a third time, and I had already been telling people I had COVID four times. This oh, is wow. a joke, but <laughs> it, like we're really we are at COVID number three now. So you're at the Maybe point four. where you've accidentally memed yourself into long COVID. How? Yeah, because how? I don't. And then the, it's it's what's bad about it is like it feels like many other things going on in the world. Mm. It feels like an inflated version of something we all used to know and have. Like COVID is like what's so bad about COVID? It seems like is that it's just a cold, but a little bit worse. Yeah. You know, the, 
the the parody has gotten a little bit worse. It's a yeah. little bit more uncomfortable, but it seems to now be taking the place of all the other traditional colds and cold season yeah. stuff. So now yep. all of our cold seasons are just going to be a little bit worse. Managed decline, fellas. That's, that's what that's, that's called. That's what that is. <laughs> you know, literally managed decline. And so the thing is, I've seen people tweeting about this. I've been thinking it several weeks for myself already. Are we ever going to get the cold back? Are we ever going to get the flu back? Or is it just permanently woo flu forever now? Do you mean in terms of how people refer to it? Or do you literally mean like the, the diseases and their symptoms? I mean both, so if you want to give me an answer for each. Well, no. I feel like I haven't had a regular cold in years. I've only seemed to be getting this thing, so as far as the the disease. And then as far as how people talk about it, oh my god, I, I think the word, in five years, the word COVID will mean cold. No matter what kind no, of non-flu-like illness you have, people are just going to call it COVID. No, right. I don't think so. I disagree. I think people Why? are still because I think as long as people are able to um, correctly guess how they got sick, like I know how I got sick. I stayed up for two days straight and breathed in a bunch of diesel exhaust. And like, that's what got me sick. Right. It wasn't from like I shook somebody's hand or I like touched oh, a rail. Give at me a, a break store. with this terrain theory. Stuff. Hey, now that's real. That's real. Give me a bow. It's Get so fellas. real, dude. It's so oh, real. Yeah. My asthma theory is the truth. This is yeah. some Andrew Tate stuff. Okay. No. Well, now I don't believe it anymore. Thanks <laughs> for real. Yeah, would you put it like that? <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got to do to win an argument now. You got to go, this stuff is cringe. Actually, the sex trafficker thinks that, so. You, you, Aaron, you got COVID because after you got done at your two days up huffing in diesel, you went and blew a guy under an alleyway somewhere. That's why you got COVID. Don't give me. I know, this. I know that I was extremely hygienic when I did that. I took <laughs> all. I wore, I wore a mask. I loaded right. up on vitamin C. I got COVID because I don't wash my fucking hands and I was at the airport and went to New York. And huffed in a bunch of hipster laughter and things like that. <laughs> and then I went juice. Home. Yeah. That's Just, why I got the co the COVID. It's, yeah. I don't know, man. No. But why it's... don't you but why do you think people first of all, you brought up terrain theory, and I appreciate that. But that doesn't explain to me why you think colloquially people won't just start calling the cold COVID. Because COVID is I think what gets into people's brains when they think about COVID is how did I catch it? I think that's what separates COVID from a cold. Well, oh, that's interesting. What, what can, can you expand on that? Well, like you get, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a, a regional thing, but I know up here it's like, well, how, how do you think you got COVID? It's like, oh, I was in the grocery store. You know, same thing that you just said. I didn't wash my hands. I was touching everything, touching yeah. people, shaking That's hands. That's totally with... just how normies are now. Yeah. Everything like, oh, that so... used to give them the cold now just gives them COVID instead. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But well, I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying my asthma theory was real until Andrew Tate believed it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. 
I don't think you could be any better or worse in your in your decision making by adopting that that approach. So, I well, I think Paz explained far better than I did why I think COVID will replace cold colloquially. I, what I'm you you don't you think so? Wait, Aaron, you think in like five years we're gonna be people are still gonna be referring to having a cold. And and specifically, yes. they'll mean something that's not COVID. Yes, a cold will be something that you catch because you deserve it. COVID will be something you get when you did everything correctly. You you get a good night's sleep. You eat a healthy diet, and then you somehow still get this like slightly more annoying version of a cold. Then you have COVID. But if you're oh, staying up for two days straight, you're eating crap food from convenience stores. Of course you're you got the cold. You're huffing diesel say. exhaust. Of course you yeah. got sick. Like, I, I, yeah. I caught a cold from that. Oh, but not COVID because COVID is like. I did well, nothing see, okay, to deserve The only thing this. that clashes with that is, do you remember after the vaccine came out? Mm-hmm. And uh, our, our episode has been demonetized even by the mention of the word. Nice. And Webby Snot. <laughs> you remember after the COVID vaccine came out, there was Biden's proclaimed season of impending death or whatever it was, the oh unvaccinated period of death or whatever it was. It almost seems contrary to what you're culturally what you're saying now in that back then people were if you didn't do all the right things. People were wishing you would get COVID practically. Ah, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. There's a, I mean, that's the, that's the ideological divide between us and them is what, what you determine to be the right things. You know, the right things to us would be like, you know, get a healthy eight hours sleep. Don't eat too much shit. um, Maybe get some exercise in there and don't, don't do anything stupid like environmentally. Um, but the right things to those people are like, well, did you fucking hit up the, uh, the hand sanitizer? Are you wearing a mask? Are you fucking, you know, going a hundred percent on the like 2019 or 2020 summer season precautions? I'm going to say something incredibly cocked right now. Yeah. I kind of like the hand sanitizer. I'm not going to lie, man. I kind of like squirting that cold stuff on my hands and then it smells like baloney because it's like burning <laughs> off all of the outer layers of skin on your hand. I always like that about that part of it. Let me be very specific when I say this. So our degenerate half listening listeners don't mistake me. I do wash my hands for the record, but I I'll vastly wash my hands. I vastly oh. prefer hand sanitizer though. I've never washed I really my hands. Do. I wash hey, my hands before I go to bed. And people That's are giving funny. me handshakes. They're touching everybody's stuff and yeah. everything I've thought. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I religiously don't wash my hands. Piss, shit, jizz. It's Doesn't all on matter. my hands. Yeah. yeah, it's all there. All, it's all touch there. It, touch at oh, your risk. Yep. Yeah, sh- shake Dude, my hand and try to, try to peel your to hand shake off your of my hand skin. for years. <laughs> and now I just don't anymore. Yep. Well, I give people, I give people fist bumps. And they go, why are you giving me a fist bump? How about and a I'm chest like, bump? I'm doing you a favor. How about a chest bump? I don't want to go anywhere bump? near those hands now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
Yeah. People are going, well, that's why you're getting COVID six times because you have <laughs> shit all over your hands. That's, the only, that's what I never understood about terrain theory is the only thing is if I eat a big log of shit, I'm going to get sick. So that was not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Tough times, fellas. There's no news, as you could imagine. No, there really uh, hasn't been, has there? No, it's been a hey, solemn so time. Have we talked about the Houthi Ho- pirates? What about Houthi pirates? <laughs> They've been doing missile strikes and getting mighty jumpy again lately, haven't they? The Houths? Yeah. If that's Looking how up. you pronounce it. I read words a lot better than I say them, but... The Houthi? Houthi and the Missile Blowfish? Strike. Who are they shooting? <laughs> They're shooting Indians? Uh, basically oh, everyone in sound Shooting like. Jews. Wow, from all the way over there? Yeah, man. They got that new Iranian shit. The the fucking the destroyers deployed in Fifth Fleet right now are seeing the most action like that out of out of any like strike group in the past twenty years. Like that's gotta, how that's how much shit they're shooting down right now. We got to deal with this Iran thing, dude. We got to go in there ourselves and figure. Didn't something Israel out. just merc one of their generals in yeah, Syria? Probably. Yeah, yeah. There's we no got to really sit That's down with the Iranians. Okay. We got to sit down with them and say, "All right, if we if if you advertise on our show, how much are you going to give us?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's no way that this problem's getting fixed unless we fix the Iran problem. We, you and me, and pause. We got to go in there, sit down with the Ayatollah, and tell him what's got to happen to get well, this thing done. <laughs> We want 20% on all merchandise sales. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to the president. The problem, my bit, the number one problem with Donald Trump becoming the president is he's not going to, this is going to get worse for sure. Because the only, I mean, like, whatever about Hamas, whatever about the Houthis, they're all getting, they're getting, all getting money from the same guys. So <laughs> maybe we got to get tied into that thing and we got to stop that money train. It'll solve all the problems in the Middle East, and we'll be able to do an episode on how we fix the Middle East problem. We got all these contractor bags full of cash that was supposed to go to the the Afghani president. What are we going to do now? <laughs> so what I'm hearing is we need to set up some sort of Iran-Contra hustle, but for podcasters. Yeah, yes, literally. That yeah. was... We were doing really good when we were doing Iran Contra. We were doing great yeah. things in that era. That Insanely based. Yeah, I mean, definitely real politicking mm-hmm. all over the globe. I mean, was it real politicking, or was no, it we literally got just a Bush family enrichment scheme? Either Both. way, <laughs> either Both. way, it's awesome. <laughs> you got to throw money out to the to the Skull and Bones Society if you want to get anything done yeah. in 2023. You gotta let them just put the tip in. They really fell off, huh? Skull and Bones? They really fell off. Yeah, I mean, what's the last boogeyman those dorks turned out? Who are they churning? Exactly, who are they churning out? They had all the biggest supervillains coming through in, what, the 50s through the 70s? The 30s through the 70s? Haven't had one supervillain since. I'm gonna look it up right now. No, they're all diversity hires now. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, the last big guy they put out was, uh, I mean, the Bush family guys. That's it. I know. What about... Jeb, never, Jeb didn't even... That's when they kind of fell apart, when Jeb 
couldn't become president. Gosh, I'm about to Google it myself. They probably really thought he was a shoe-in, too. Jeb? Yeah. I, You know, I just can't even imagine how you could think that. But then again, well, I thought Ron DeSantis had charisma until I actually energy, saw him talk. Yeah. Like, the mm. whole thing about the Bush network is they've never, never once been about actually being worthy candidates. They get their elections by fucking playing the back room games. They've never been good candidates. You know that I'm kind of turning around on the vote fixing thing. Oh, yeah? How do you mean? Well, I I really want to see what happens this election. Um, I just, I really, all that's all I can say is that I want to see the results of this election because it seems as though Republicans are putting the effort in where they weren't during the midterms in the places that, like in Georgia and in Wisconsin, they're putting this effort in in the places that were vote-fixed in the last election. And I'm really wondering if... What, what was lacked in the previous election was attention to those areas and the fact that they've rigged it. Now what I'm wondering is if the Republicans have put effort into those areas to get people to go out and vote, would that change the results? If the no. answer is no, either the Republican Party really failed in its outreach, which is possible, but also it keeps the door open for the vote-fixing, Whereas if Republicans, like if there's a landslide, uh, Republican sweep, if, pure if, which I don't think there's going to be, if there was a pure Republican sweep, does that invalidate the vote fixing argument that Democrats no. are ballot harvesting and stuffing the boxes? Does that invalidate that? I don't think so. Absolutely actually. not. That's going to be a thing for the rest of forever. So the whole thing about good. yeah, the whole thing about that vote fixing deal is that it's never been about whether or not they can do it. It's been about the efficacy of their media coverage or their media covering fire in doing it. Oh, I mean, at some point they got to count numbers, though. <laughs> yeah, do maybe they? they do. But look how that worked <laughs> in twenty twenty. You somehow had both candidates get more votes than ever before in history. The numbers don't matter. Yeah. And you really believe that literally half of all legal Americans voted? No. Because that's uh, how the math would have no, had to have worked out in 2020. For I them, don't believe. Oh, man, I don't you know. You don't Again, even this need election... to believe in voter fraud yeah. to think to yourself, there's no fucking way one in every two Americans voted. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, what if they, what if, okay, but what if it's true what Tucker is saying and what others are saying that there really are 50 million illegal immigrants who can all vote in this country? That was, when, when did he say that? Last year? Now there's probably a hundred million. That's, that's well, what all this that, is. That that that, even if the illegals were voting to have the numbers you had in 2020 then you would still have to believe that one in every three americans voted whether they're allowed to or not that's sort of believable uh, that is sort of believable if you add the illegal voter factor but if you added the illegal voter factor you wouldn't 
you may not have needed to fix the election because yeah. of how Democrat all of those voters lean. Yeah. That's there's a tri- you know there, there's like a triangle in my head of one of these things. If two of these things are true, the third doesn't have to be true. If I were an NGO connected to a certain political organization and right. my job was to resettle these millions of illegals pouring through the border, I would right. say I would look at those those battleground areas that the Republicans are focusing on, like Georgia, like Wisconsin, like Virginia, and say, okay, um, where are they not? Where are they not focused on? And then it becomes a game of whack a mole that you can't lose. Like in eight years, like the whack a mole game stops because there's no moles to whack anymore. They're just blue. well, they're trying to. Oh boy. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. But uh, they are... The Biden administration is stacking the odds in the Democrats' favor mm-hmm. by... I mean, it, and... Well, I'm so going to say saying, this. It's all a, you're saying that like it's only just happening now. I'll let you finish your thought, but I'm going to finish my interruption here first. That's been going on since before even Obama... Oh, yeah. The reason the system used to work back in the day is because Red Team had control of law enforcement, both nationally and locally. So they had the effective within power means to stop the game the Democrats were playing. Yes. But when all of a sudden federal law enforcement became a Democratic stronghold, then they had both the activists and the means to keep their activists safe. Yeah. So the game's just fundamentally unbalanced now, and it didn't start under Biden. It's been going since the end of Clinton at this point. And it's what's if it. So I totally agree. Kind of dovetails into the point I was going to make with the there's an overhead preface of. Do illegal immigrants overwhelmingly vote Democrat? I, I believe the assumption is yes. That yes. Is, I don't. I can't. Can't tell you for sure. I believe the assumption is yes. But underneath, I think their that, livelihood depends on it. The quality of uh, life depends on it. Uh, that's and that is why I happen to think yes. If that's the case, not only pauses what you're saying true that law enforcement and border control, uh, in particular, are seated to Democrat powers, whether it be the people in power, the appointees, or the structures themselves that were fundamentally changed between Bush, really Clinton, and now. Also, Biden, in particular with this current regime, and this is something that I really, I don't know if this is in the Supreme Court, if this can ever go to the Supreme Court, there's an imbalance of power in the federal system now, and I don't know if this was ever used before or how it changes, I think, I think you need a Republican to somehow get elected to, to fix the thing. But the only way to do that is the following. Biden is doing his best to exploit an imbalance of power, and he's bringing in, if these immigrants overwhelmingly vote Democrat, he's bringing voters in and, and directing them to the battleground states. So Arizona. Yes. So Illinois. So Michigan, big battleground states that make or break presidents. And he is doing his part for his party by a la- th- through what Paz is talking about, exercising control over those entryways 
and then bringing them into the specific states where the battles need to be fought, which I think is another indicator that illegals do vote Democrat. Otherwise, why would they be, why wouldn't they put them in Republican states and at least try to bankrupt the states who have to then counter that and push them somewhere else? It's because the, they probably really do vote Democrat. And so I totally agree with you, Paz. I think there's a if that if you're a Republican candidate or I mean, if you're really if you're just a candidate who's anti-Democrat, this is a major power that I, I don't feel the president should be able to have, uh, given that it can extend the length of a regime. Now, if all immigrants who are coming into this country voted Republican, first of all, they wouldn't be coming in now. And you probably wouldn't get the number of half of all people voted because there wouldn't be 40 a million illegal votes in, in that count. The, the, if they all voted Republican, I would probably want them all to come on in. Come on well, in and let's extend the length of, the, the, of Trump's regime. But that I'm doesn't not seem sure to be how you it can works. test that empirically necessarily, but there is historical data. Because the great, first great immigration reversal and reforms... Well, it kind of happened twice, right? Under Eisenhower and then again under Reagan. And they were nothing like the reforms we've seen today, but, like, they were happening. You know, the snowball started rolling under ostensibly red team power. Yeah. Um, I... Well, I like, one of the... There was the, the the effort in Cuba, the one foot on the ground, and you get your citizenship. Like that was one area where I think that was was that Nixon who put that in, or it's a federal policy. Gosh. I just don't remember. The they had kind but of, anyway, yeah, yeah. I don't know I for agree. a fact. I yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely a major imbalance of power. So to go to the fixing the election, I know what's really interesting is I know that. Republicans are like out and and I don't think this is particularly wise because it sounds immoral, uh, not to me, but to to people that you may have to sway, uh, neutral voters. Is Republicans are out and about talking about ballot harvesting now, just doing it, getting it done. There's organized efforts to do it. Um, so adopting that style of play for this election, I don't know why that wasn't adopted during the midterms. But uh, that's where they're at now. I, I, I guess my next question is, what's your guys' senses about the red wave, uh, which didn't it seem to have not come during the midterms, but they are saying again, it's going to come now. Uh, Aaron? Uh, I think it's too little too late. I don't think uh, we'll see a too, red wave. There's, so you're saying there's more work that had to be done that can't now? Yes. Yep. They should have been doing this the second that they. I mean, I know it's it's impossible to expect that of these people, the Republicans. But uh, mm. it's it's too little, too late to start playing the game as their as their enemies have been doing. Um, and I think that all of these elections are all of these federal elections are slowly turned blue across the board in all these battleground states, and. Um, now and in these state these blue states that are already locked in forever now they're starting to look at say in massachusetts we have a a migrant crisis there's no room left zero space left 
in emergency shelters for migrants. We've had like 10,000 of them in the last month and just nowhere to put them. So what they've started to do is put them in counties that are a little bit purple or a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's know, what they're doing in New York. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what they're doing in New York City. So, so they've already started solidifying their gains uh, on the local level as well, local and state level. And um, you're start like people like myself in deep blue states that'll never be read again forever um, can now look forward to their county chairs never being read again. Well, I... <sighs> let's be optimistic. That reeks a little bit like nihilism. I let's think. be well, optimistic. There's it's it's not so much that there that it can't be done, but if you look at how many normies and how many like oh principled conservatives there are in the federal level, times that by a thousand, and that is your normal everyday boomer blue state Republican. Right, I think we realize that. But Let's be no... optimistic then and say the minute that, especially in your faggy little state. Mm-hmm. The minute that some little Venezuelan guy, they're shipping him in, on, he's on the bus, and he takes out the magazine that they give to you in the little plastic bag with your cell phone and crack pipe, and he's reading it, and it says, we're going we're going to Massachusetts, the, the sights of Massachusetts, come look at the Liberty Bell, and then he's reading it, and he goes, what, they said, drag queen story hour, and he'll read that, and then he'll go, maybe I'll vote Republican. When he finally realizes that he's been shipped into the gayest place in America. Is that possible? No, because they're not shipping him to the gayest place in America. Yes, Massachusetts as a state is the gayest place in America. But Well, I was thinking specifically triangulating somewhere around your living area, (laughs) your house perhaps. Three blocks. Under that bridge. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's not going to the gayest locality in the gayest place in America. He's going to, like, some suburb of, like, a second-rate city that's, well, th- you know... Well, I don't think that this is geographically dependent, him reading the little pamphlet. I think that's not... That's clearly not the case, because all this stuff took off online in cities and towns, seeing videos in cities and towns of places we'll never go to. Mm-hmm radicalization uh through the online medium what this is my thought and i'm serious about this i think the little venezuelan man is like what do i have to do to get my thousand dollars a month in social security my free section eight housing and my my like uh my meal plan oh i have to check this box in a language well first of all republicans are going to give that guy section eight housing anyway so that's not even a that's not even a difference there. The cell phone, listen, the border patrol guy gives that to you. So they're already in. They have that. Yep. Uh, the, all of the little trinkets that they're getting, these are miserly little trinkets. The difference their, is their the Republican makes sure that that Venezuelan man goes to a suburb of Boston. The Democrat makes sure that that little Venezuelan man goes to a purple county town. Yes. You're talking about for the purpose of votes. Yes. And not well, even votes. I think it's I think for for states like for blue states, like votes don't really matter. It's it's more of a we get into uh, some more Pete Quinones things here, but more for uh, cultural warfare. OK, but but beside. Yeah, but besides that, they're doing what I'm saying is they're the little Venezuelan guy is a vote. 
So he's going to yes. have to vote in the purple place they put him. But yes. it's purple. If it's purple, that means by nature it's a battleground, which means that what that guy thinks actually matters. Yeah, my, but here's my what he, strategy what he for Republicans. Is, what he thinks is, I want a house, I want a car, I want a job. But he, but he's getting. I know, but you, he's getting Section Eight housing from Republicans or Democrats. Either way, you got to give them freebie stuff. He's getting freebie stuff. He's not really paying taxes. At least he's he's not really paying most taxes. But he's getting he's, fr- he's getting freebie stuff from the state, not the locality. The lo- no, the I, but I no, I understand that. But he's got to cast his vote in a certain direction. In order to make that change, assuming the vote even matters, which we have to assume that for the purposes of the conversation. Otherwise, there's a different battle that has to be fought, and this guy doesn't matter at all. But if he does matter at all, if his vote matters at all... Does does it have to be two separate things? Well, my point is we're talking about this only under the assumption this guy's vote matters. That's That's my only point. And if his vote matters... He's got his cell phone, and he's looking online. This is my strategy for Republicans. They're focusing on doing all the things Democrats did four years ago. The most effective thing that you could do, tell me if this doesn't sound right, the most effective thing that you could do if you're a Republican is create, like, liberals de TikTok and make sure that they can see in their languages, because these people are totally not exposed to the Internet culture that's, that's properly radicalizing people away from this stuff that they, they need to be exposed to this stuff because it's obviously insane. It's not like these people are essentially Democrat voters. It's that they're being welcomed in and from, from their entry into the country to their placement, they're being held by the hand, reading pamphlets written by uh, progs uh, written by the people who are running this show here. And they are essentially indoctrinated into a position where they do not, as they come in, immediately understand the political battleground. So they go and they vote for the guy who's a Democrat who welcomed them in and not the Republican who welcomed them in. But the reason why they keep ramping these things up before election cycles is because they they try to catch them before they find out how fucking stupid this country is. Is that too optimistic? I think by the time they realize how stupid this country is, they have a wife and however many voting age kids that undo their newly turned red vote. Oh, wow. You know what? I don't have a response to that because the next gen, the next gen of immigrant uh, parents are, are always, always these fucking. Yeah. Always yeah. super shit lib. Super, yeah, totally Americanized shit. You're right. How does that, I mean, public schools, obviously, but how does that happen like that? It's a reaction uh, to their parents. Well, it's also all of their newly found American friends in these, in these, distri- in these districts they're stuffing in. Yeah. Are they're totally ill-informed and therefore they vote Democrat or mm-hmm. like constant. They're, these people are constantly targeted by Democrats yeah. who let them in, who know mm-hmm. where they are. Who, who disguise their political efforts uh, in these, these um, what do they call like these immigration facilities that are all run and operated under a certain code of conduct that yeah. is written by all these guys Biden installs and things like that. <laughs> and so from the get, they exist. This is, what the, this is what black America deals with. It's the same thing as from the get, 
all of their institutional connections either keep them completely ignorant of politics besides the names. And, you know, I mean, even with whites, this happens, too. People who are ignorant of politics just vote for the guy their parents voted for or vote for the guy that uh, they associate with the team that's been winning in the, in the district. That's how you solidify districts. In the black community, they do the same thing. All of these minority groups are, are handheld through the welfare state, are handheld into voting a certain way. So we got to put we got to do the Republican. How does that how do people who speak English become radicalized? Ninety five percent of them become radicalized through Twitter or something like that, where they're exposed to alternate ideas outside of the context of the institutional delivery of the ideas. That's how ninety nine. That's why all of the big red pill guys, especially in minority communities. These are all people we all discovered on Twitter. Jesse Lee Peterson. (laughs) Andrew Tate, I guess he counts as a minority, so, right? Oh. <laughs> if Republicans were smart, they would round up all the newly arrived illegals for a field trip to uh, Skid Row, Drag, Steve, Drag Queen Story Hour. Unfortunately, and- <laughs> though, a lot of them live in those conditions when they first get here. Yeah. That's the problem. That doesn't seem to matter. I mean, I've seen plenty of video. I mean, you can go to Chicago and the streets of Chicago and you see... These uh, they put them up for four or five days. These tent cities for migrants yeah. until they can place them in certain areas. And again, in those times, they're given pamphlets uh, mm-hmm. to read and to absorb. And the pamphlets basically tell them what the deal is, who welcomes them into the city. You know, the J.B. Pritzker welcomes you to Chicago. Oh. Also, oh. May, you know what I mean? Like they all they are explicitly political. So like. Yeah. And Republicans cannot just go, okay, we're taking these institutions now. They don't have any power to because the districts are, as you said, either solidified or um, like the Republican size just it can't catch up. Yeah. So that you have to win online. You, gotta, you have to win in the uh, alternative way on the Internet. We need more like, I am a Venezuelan immigrant who was assaulted by a drag queen. And like we need more like Lauren Southern... <laughs> venezuelan people yeah and things like that and the kind of like unite the white right guys i don't are not willing they're not willing to accept that and that is why it's like a fundamentally unserious national plan or they are they kind of just jump off any sense of a a a large goal like i'm thinking about like mike enoch and, and guys like that they they because they have stuck to this like white ideological thing, they by necessity have given up the ghost on winning nationally. Uh, but they but they all support Donald Trump and think he's going to make significant change. And then they get surprised that he didn't build a wall and that he went through the courts to fight to build the wall and still didn't build the wall afterwards. And so uh, the there needs a there's a new right that needs to form. And unfortunately for all the United White Right guys, it's going to be 75% Venezuelans who run it. And so, you know, I don't know what this, that, that's the only way you're going to win, is there needs to be a gigantic effort to bring, uh, like, Latin Americans in to the Tommy Robinson, Nick Fuentes thing, the, the, the Donald Trump thing. Donald Trump has to take a couple of Duolingo lessons in Spanish. Start, you know, you know what the white pill is? and things like that. 
the white pill isn't found in any political strategy whatsoever. It's actually found in the Catholic Church. Um, after, like, surveys of seminarians... Well, luckily Venezuelans are yeah. <laughs> on their way, and yeah. most of those Unite the White Right guys are not Catholics either. No, so. I know. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's not to be found in any political movement. It's uh, if, if there's going to be a, a, a white pill that that converts the, the Hispanics from... Uh, you know, being a being just a, a cultural suicide pill. Um, it's going to be the fact that after 2020, there in, in a survey conducted by uh, uh, who was it? Fuck, I don't know. Some survey company that surveyed a bunch of uh, Catholic seminarians after 2020. Source? Where's Zero- your source? Where's your it's, source? It's, it's National Catholic Review Online. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, after that, a real anyway. thing. Yeah. yeah, it is. But aren't NCR. they libs anyway? Let's... They are libs, and it, that's they're why like, it's they're like the Catholic. What is that? Uh, MSNBC. Jewish... <laughs> no, what's that Jew- Jewish Haretz. newspaper called? Yeah, they're like the Catholic Haaretz. <laughs> it's really irritating. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, zero, exactly zero seminarians after 2020 that were surveyed identified themselves as progressive. Wait, what was the how number many? before? Do Give you remember the number, number one before? More time? It was, um, r- while roughly half, 52% of the recently ordained cohort, cohort described themselves as conservative or very conservative, a full 52. 44% self-described as moderate. Zero self-described as progressive. Progressive. Well. Yeah. It's a shift. It's a shift. What does that it's, tell it's a, you? What's it's, re- the... it's a reaction to Pope Francis. And, uh, you know, you have a whole generation of seminarians getting distributed out to all of these parishes and church um church organizations that are more and more shifting back to uh kind of post-vatican II conservatism you know you're saying this matters because all those venezuelan people are going to church and yes here in the battles being fought on a that certain side. percentage okay. yeah a certain yeah, percentage yeah. of them will mm-hmm. Well, it's, I got it, bad news for you. There's a whole lot of Chinese immigrants coming in too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're just here to buy land. Yeah, that's true. They're not. They don't care. We can always just make that up. <laughs> they're uh, they're these they're lobster politi- people. They bring in who have <laughs> never seen a a dollar, and then uh, <laughs> going in and buying land. They're. I don't know, man. I think did you hear? Did you hear? It's something like forty percent of all home sales in the last five years were brought were were by private equity firms. Yes, and I my blood boiled. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Doing there. There's a yeah. Hashtag liquidity crisis. Oh, hashtag yeah. sovereign debt default. Hashtag. Pause. Well, you can rent my basement if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a kind god. <laughs> Don't you want to live in the gayest county on earth? <laughs> well, you know what? At least the Warhammer scene's big on the East Coast. It is, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we have uh, we have like three game shops within probably five miles of my house. I've got one within an hour. Ugh. You gotta you gotta come east. Drive east and keep driving. Yeah, drive east, young man. Before we get too far off topic, I want to circle back to something we almost touched on there for a minute, if you guys can indulge me a little bit. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts 
on the absolute lack of seminarians in general and the dearth of young priests. It's crazy. My uh, is that my is parent, that right? It's huge yeah. among Protestantism, but I know it's affecting your church too, if yep. to a lesser degree. What is the barrier to entry like? In uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've never thought about that. I, I didn't even. There's a dearth of priests, Aaron. You seem to know. I think I think it's mostly a, an American thing, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you got you know, same thing in every other industry. Everybody's retiring in droves. And there's not really enough qualified people to replace at retirement rate. So you're seeing a lot of uh, parishes starting to collapse into, um, uh, like, single church parishes starting to um, become, uh, what is it called, when you have more than one church in a parish? Okay, yeah. You know, whatever that's called. Um, it's Merging happening. them together. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to happen to my church where... Uh, Back in the day when you had a lot of Irish and Italians in this area, it was it was three churches in one parish, and then the Irish kind of edged out everybody, and then my church split off and left those two churches to, to fend for themselves. And um, now that uh, kind of the attendance rates and the aging, the aging po uh, priest population is, we're talking about going back to the three church parish. After this current mm. priest retires, because he's an old mm. Irish guy. At the same time, I thought the have you heard? Maybe this is like two or three years old at this point. But have you heard about the? There's a study that came out a couple of years ago that was basically saying that there are more women becoming nuns by rate than there were in the past. I did hear that. I had not heard yeah. that. And like younger I, women too. Yeah, but again, I, I I don't remember, and I have to ask: Is that in America or is that just worldwide? I think that was. No, I think that was oh. uh, in in America. Huh? Yeah, it was on the. Uh, Jesus, I don't remember what it. What, what it, I can only remember they had a red banner. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. But um. Anyway, I yeah, I don't know. Uh. I you know I. I not to get cat too Catholic inside baseball, but if I could, if I could, if I got the opportunity to talk to Pope Francis about one thing, ask him one question. Come on, he comes on the show for a fifteen-minute slot. Yeah, bring him on as one does. Our and, time is valuable. And, yeah, fifteen-minute slot for the Pope. Bring him on. I'd ask him one question, which is, do you feel like you've neglected the United States? And if not. Do you feel like what's going on in the United States in terms of the progress of the faith, do you feel it's been positive or negative? I'd love oh, to know the answers to those questions. I don't think he's neglected the United States at all. He's had his hand in in our in our dealings very heavily. Um I don't know, man. I I I I, I think I know what you're hinting at about that, but um well, there's just, been uh, a Crisis in the diaconate mm -hmm. uh, all over Multiple. America for <laughs> for a long time. Um, yeah. People, there's just not men. Men do not want that lifestyle, uh, especially if they can't take a wife, and yep. for the extremely meager pay, it's very difficult to survive in. And um, so that's the big problem. This is right gone there without mention. 
is yeah. that our congregations, given not just the state of the economy, but the demographics of our congregations, we're ha- struggling to support priests really badly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, um, I think it's a issue like people don't want to, it's the same, I think it's the same issue with the recruitment crisis going on in the military, basically, is that these are jobs, professions, industries, and fa- the faiths that um, undergird them have been undermined for the past, I'm going to do my math in my head, 40 years, 50 years. And, um, like, I, yeah, I don't think that's an issue with the papal see uh, in America. No. I think it's a cultural sexual revolution issue. Like, these things became very undesirable. Um I think in particular with the Catholics, uh, you know, the, the you know the, what the movie Spotlight is about was a huge, huge damage done to the reputation of that industry, which was in the past and still among immigrant communities today seen as pretty noble. I just don't think it has any of that. There's no sense of that anymore. And I think what people would be yearning for would be um, some incentives to become priests and one of them would be being able to live a comfortable lifestyle through pay and they can't do that and it's not possible well, and you know not even necessarily comfortable but just to not have to take a part-time job yeah like right. again i don't think that's anything that your priests are under threat of but that's a very common thing for the small town preachers you know in rural america where i live Every pastor right. well, you meet, at least, you know, not necessarily a full-time job, but they all have part-time jobs now. Well, I can understand why your guys would need that, because they're also trying to support a family. Well, and um, that is part uh, of it, too, yeah. Yeah, whereas with our priests, I mean, housing is covered. It's not very glamorous, obviously, but I don't really yeah. think that, that simple people mind that. But, um, you know, when I was growing up in my Catholic school... The priests, uh, who were all the teachers uh, at the school, um, they they all had, like, pretty comfortable lifestyles. I, I mean, I remember the first person that I saw that had an iPhone was my my uh, religion professor, who was a priest, Brother Brian, dude. He had a, he had a nice car, too, like a nice BMW, and, and that used to be, even up till very recently... Being a priest had its comforts, which I think is good because it's, I a, think so it's too. not a fun. Yeah, it's not a fun job or lifestyle. It's good to at least have some creature comforts. I don't think because of the pay, because how badly um, when you don't have to pay for housing, you got a little more money to spend. But when your money is completely just demolished, the value of your currency is completely demolished. In an industry that doesn't offer a lot of raises to keep up. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, that's not, I, there's no opportunity to become a priest, even if you wanted to. I do know a couple of guys who want to become priests, and the ability to maintain a level of comfort that they require in order to do what makes them good enough to be priests, that does, doesn't exist anymore. I, I'm not sure if it's a crisis of faith uh, uh for at least oh, for no. our I've never, situation i've never thought it was a crisis of faith but you know the material conditions that allow for a thriving spiritual environment are just they're rotting away and it's obvious and i just thought it was a relevant thing 
to get your opinions on because I spend a fair amount of time thinking about it. I've talked about it before, but I wanted to go to seminary. I did yeah. myself. I let my teachers, my parents, even my own pastor talk me out of it for whatever reason. But Your pastor talked to you? Your pastor was like, don't do this? Well, my teachers and my parents more so actively talked okay. me out of it. But for him, it was more a matter of, are you sure? You know, yeah. he wasn't telling me not to do it. He yeah. was saying, are you certain that's what your calling is telling you? And it was the other ones that rotted out my certainty that it was. I'm telling you, give it in 20 years, people will be calling every cold COVID and all priests will be Venezuelan. <laughs> no, that's the thing is uh, once once my priest retires, I guarantee it's not going to be somebody from the local area. No. Because no. they're not having this problem in any other country. It's it's a Western problem. You got to... We all got to brush up on our, our our Spanish, and we have to all develop <laughs> Croat a taste. and Tagalog. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a big one, too, right. <laughs> and we all got to get used to a lot more tamales in our diet. And well, that wouldn't the, be a problem, though, would it? No, would be a, no, <laughs> no, the future's bright. Yeah, the future's yeah. bright, but it's changing. It's yeah. coming. That's why every cop, priest, guy who works in as in a, in journalistic positions was Irish. That's why that happened, and the Irish regime uh, is what's <laughs> responsible for the growing leftism in the country today. <laughs> if you really do the math, um, yeah. And yep. So, so we're not big fans of the Irish on this show. We are not. <laughs> And and I mean, and I'm there's okay a lot of them that. in positions of power. Not I'm not memeing here. If there's, I'll I'll say it. There's two ethnic groups of names you're going to see if you look at any bank portfolio ahead of any any one of them. Two types Irish, of names: Irish and Filipino. And Filipino <laughs> is the other one. So I'm all right with it. You well, you don't well. Even if you weren't, yeah, <laughs> you know. All right. Well, I guess if we're not doing any news this week, I'm going to recommend the listeners uh, have a happy new year because we're not going to see you until the 10th. Uh, we are not doing a first week of the year episode. We never do. It's my week off. Um, so on the 10th, we'll be coming back with the glueys. Fellas, I will get you guys the decided upon glueys categories. Oh, and I'm also going to hook you guys up. I'm going to share with you every episode notes Based. for the year. This way you can just thumb through and remember the stories that we saw. Hold on. Do we and, uh, actually have notes? You. Yeah, I take notes for every episode. You know what, you know what I'm going to respond? I'm happy for you slash I'm not reading all that. <laughs> well, I don't sorry. care if you read it or not. As long as you have an answer to every category, I do not care. TLDR. But I do not want to hear a, I couldn't think of anything for this one. That is not right. professional. I'll We're do a my professional homework. show. All right, so I'll get you the categories very soon. Listeners, thank you for contributing to the category question I put up on Twitter. Uh, I know we got a lot of voicemails sitting in the inbox. Maybe we'll uh, we call and I'm going to try to do a... Uh, it's like seven or eight of them that we just haven't done it for three weeks. So I hope that they're still relevant. If they're not, 
whatever. You know what? Um, I I will see about getting in there sometime and taking a look okay. at them. We'll it's, try uh, to um um ski you on the tenth. Yes, you on the wheel for having me. Yes.